Welcome to the Ecom Wiz Podcast, a podcast that helps Amazon sellers to dominate the marketplace. And I do mean dominate. Dominate. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon influencers in the industry. This is the Ecom Wiz Podcast. Hey everyone, this is Rob Stanley with Feedback Wiz. Today on the Ecom Wiz Podcast, I'm talking with Eric Chin co-founder and head of growth for startpad.co. Eric, thanks for being on. We appreciate it. Yeah, Rob, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So just to give you a little background on Startpad and what they do, let's say if you have a prototype and you're trying to bring it to market or you have this amazing idea that you've either patented or trademarked and you're just like, man, how do I get that into the market, into the marketplace? That is what Startpad does, and today we're going to talk about kind of that process and what what it takes to get something, let's say, from a prototype to a production and to market. So, Eric, why don't you uh, just give us a little bit of uh, intro on Startpad? I think I kind of covered what you already guys do, mm-hmm. but um, just go ahead and tell us just a smidge about uh, Startpad if I missed something there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you hit you hit it on the head. Uh, we primarily work with companies or individuals, like inventors as well in regards to helping them bring their product to market, right? So the idea is if you have a, a product idea and at least have gotten to a point where you've you know, prototyped it yourself or if you um, have some type of patent alongside it, then you can come to us and then we'll help you evaluate and then see if we can help you get it to market and accelerate that growth, right? A lot of, a lot of the companies that we work with right now, they might be engineering firms or engineering companies or just a person who likes to invent things and then, but not really know the business side in terms of e-commerce, running ads, um, running Amazon. And so we help take that um, part of the business and just help the companies grow that way. In addition, we also just run our own internal projects where we grow our our own products and brands um, internally as well. So that's where we basically cross over all of the resources we have because it's all complementary in providing those services. Um, so just for full A to Z in terms of prototyping your, your product, getting it to the marketplace, doing marketing for it, uh, shipping, logistics, um, customer support, we do all of that and have the infrastructure to support that. Nice. So maybe let's go kind of, let's step through each of those steps on mm-hmm. what it takes. So I came up with this brilliant idea. Let's say I've got a 50 run or maybe 10 run a prototype or heck, nowadays you can do it with the printers at home practically, right? Yeah. You can do the 3D printers. So I come up with a couple little prototypes and a couple examples, but I'm just like, man, I don't know where to go from here. I don't know how to scale up. Is that where you guys kind of step in? And you know, what phases do you step in and what when do you not step in? Like if it's just an idea, will you mm-hmm. step in or does it have to be a prototype? Um, idea wise, it's always a little tough, right? And it's and that's because you'll you always come across individuals, or maybe you're at like Thanksgiving, for instance, right? And you'll have the uncle who's always coming up with ideas, but he just never executes. Um, so we'll, we'll come alongside those types of people who have great ideas, but they just never, never execute. And so for us, it at least has to get to a point where you've you know fleshed out the idea, you've prototyped it, um, or having a working prototype, at least a minimal viable product, right? For us to look and evaluate and see where it's at. And that allows us to even see how dedicated you are to that. We're not just gonna take some idea that you had and then offload everything to us, right? We want to make sure that you're also invested into basically your baby. Um, so at least the the point where 
you have something to show um, and so that way we can actually try to feel and touch and understand what that product is and then how we can improve on it and then that's where we'll start discussions and evaluating whether we can help and help bring it to market, whether the route for it is to run a Kickstarter for it, is it a pre-sale campaign, um, is it a traditional Facebook launch ad through your own e-commerce site, or do we launch it on Amazon um, if there's a market demand for it already? Yeah, so let's uh, say if I got, if it's kind of a rough prototype, you know, I might come to you, uh, will you guys help refine that prototype? Like, is there a way that we go into maybe doing another sample run with some changes to it based on what your engineers come up with or what you guys think is, you know, here's a couple ideas. So, and do you guys have the factory or facility that does that for me to get maybe another uh, run of the prototype done? Yep, yep, yes, yes we do. So if you have a rough prototype, our engineers can, and we basically, if we decide, yes, we're gonna help you out, um, where you're going to come on board, then we will utilize all of our resources to help you know refine that product, have our engineers look at it, tweak it, um, provide more insight. And keep in mind, one of the most important thing before launching a product is to make sure that there's a good balance between you know what the engineering or the, what the engineer is putting in versus what that market is going to want. Right. That's why you always have all of these like bogus products, and then but then. It's a great idea, but then does the consumer really want that, right? And so even then, we'll try to do some market research where if they come, if you come to us with an idea, then we'll also talk with a few of our friends and, and see if they think it's a good idea and get some insight from that, right? And so we're always getting some insight to, to make sure that this is something that people even want in the marketplace. So it's, if that's something where the product is completely brand new, right, then that's something we will make sure we have steps for. Sure. Um, so wait, let me ask this then. So... Before I even come to you with my kind of prototype, I probably want to get some sort of NDA in place with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming that's something that you do prior to me even showing up with a prototype. Yeah. Uh, and then when I do show up with a prototype, before we even get into doing, let's say, any engineering or something, I'm sure we got to like negotiate something, right? I mean, just so people are clear, I mean, it, let's explain a little bit like what kind of it's not a service necessarily, it's more you're investing in it, right? Or yep. do you do both? So maybe eva- uh, just kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, so we have two different structures as part of StartPad, right? We have an incubation model and then we have an accelerator model, right? So if, if you're looking for an acceleration, right, you have a product or need help tweaking the product and getting to market, um, that's where we come in and really provide the resources for you to grow out the business. In terms of the incubation part, maybe you don't you yourself don't have enough funds to even uh, fund the first batch of, of production. Then we'll come in and we'll actually fund that for you. We'll we'll cover the cost for the tooling, um, the prototyping, and then the first production run. And so that's really where we then negotiate based on that value um, how much it's worth to the company or the product that you're trying to build. And so then we'll discuss if that is based on a profit sharing basis or um, an equity split um, where we'll overtake the company and so some some clients they're happy with taking for instance 15 20 percent where they basically don't have to do any more work after they've completed their their prototype and you know they own the patent themselves and so they're basically just almost taking a royalty check once we help them launch out to market yeah. right of course, there are business owners who are going to be want to be hands on with their project, and so then, then that's where it's dependent. It's like, okay, here's a clearly defined um, roles and and what work is being done based on you know what we can do and what you can do, and then so okay, maybe it makes more sense for a profit sharing aspect. 
right? Is it 50% of profits? Do we fund the marketing um, spend? Or, and then do you pay for the upfront costs for the manufacturing? And so those are all different aspects that we look into when doing that evaluation process. Yeah. <clears throat> so do you, uh, do you find a lot of times that you're dealing with companies that say the entire company is based around a product? Because, I mean, if anybody watches Shark Tank, you see a lot of times they'll say, you've got a great product, but it's not a company, yeah. you know? And so, but it sounds like in your case, you actually work a lot with companies that are a product. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the product is the company, yeah. which I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, if you have a good product and a strong product, why not? How many times, uh, and I forgot to ask you this question, but how many times do you see they come out with a product and either they come up with another product or let's say... Maybe there's even another revision of that product down the road, like mm -hmm. a 2.0 of it. Yeah. How many times have you seen something like that? Um, for at least for one client, we've seen them go through iterations um, with their with their product, and and with that, they it's it's tough, right? Because if you think about it, where we are, we're we're so early in at the stage for the company, right? So for even a company to get to a 2.0 portion that in itself could take a long long time for us what we're trying to do is at least um, prove that there's a market demand for it and help you get to that first phase of selling your first batch of inventory because once you do that then we can evaluate okay what is is there a 2.0 or if at the beginning if the product has the potential to bring on secondary products or accessories to that that's something we try to think of before even launch, right? And then know that that could be a second or third phase to help grow the company from there. Yeah. Right. So a few a few of our clients um, and companies and products we work with are singular products itself, um, with things that are backlogged to to say, okay, when we launch the market and after three months or six months and sales are consistent, then we can start to introduce um, ancillary products on top, right? Because we're going to be building out the email list and growing the brand from there. And then that way, then you can start to upsell and continue expanding the business. And I think that's when the companies actually become a company, right? Just like you're saying, Shark Tank, oh, it's just a product, it's not a real company yet. Um, and I think that's really where the, the part where companies are validated, right? Within the first six months to a year that their product is out to market and they can at least survive that long. So that's kind of so that's kind of an early phase then when uh, if you're looking for add-ons or accessories or things that can go along with it, uh, that's done pretty early because you want to have those, if, if the thing's a hit, you want to have those ready to go with it mm -hmm. uh, or something they can add on as they're checking out. So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good information. So after we get, let's say, this uh, prototypes run, this sample run, so to speak, of these prototypes, what about like testing and stuff? Do you guys handle that? Does the factory handle that? What happens uh, when you get to that phase? Yeah, so for the, the testing aspect, in terms of a manufacturing part, they'll, they'll do all the necessary testing that, that is required, right? If you need to do drop testing, um, usually we'll let the factory handle that. If they need um, safety data sheet reports, um, that's where if you have like a battery component or electronic, um, you need to get that done. And that's usually done um, after you have your, your production sample run. What okay. we either call a golden sample or production sample. Um, that's Once that's done, then that's where the factory will get all the testing. Um, in, in terms of like physical testing of the product and making sure that it's good, we'll take those golden samples and then, and then test it ourselves. And if we have a few friends 
um, within our network that'll help us test out the product and evaluate it. Um, that's usually necessary for higher-end electronics that we're working on. Say, for instance, like an earphone company, then if it requires Bluetooth and all that, and making sure that those components are all working flawlessly. Yeah, make we'll sure that they're not falling apart. How long do they last? Does the audio go high enough? If you blast it too loud, is it going to mm -hmm. blow out the speaker? I mean, exactly. yeah, that kind of makes sense. I mean, that definitely makes sense. So so we get, we get through this testing phase and everything's looking good, or if we go back and make changes, depending on what happens. And you know, actually, I was thinking of what about like certain certifications for uh, products? I mean, uh, there is times like uh, I think it's like baby products. You have to have certain certifications or if it's electronics, you got to have what is it? The uh, EL, I think it is the or underwriter, the UL uh, certification. Yep. So is that stuff you guys handle if, if it's needed to be done? Yeah, we we all evaluate like making sure that we're checking off all the boxes, right? Like if you're getting like a charger is it necessary to get a UL certification? Then that's something we say yes. Is it worth the extra dollar that you need to pay for? Then that's something we'll evaluate and that's pretty much streamlined through the factory process. Yeah, so in the factory, once that's approved and stuff, you'll get the UL stamp on there. So that way people that get on an airplane with a charger or whatever, they're mm -hmm. gonna start checking that if they're not already. Because yep. I noticed over in China, they were checking all my electronics for the UL stamps, yep. especially uh, battery extra battery packs. So. So that's definitely something to uh, make sure. I mean, there's a lot of people that go over to China, get stuff made, and what they think they're getting a UL stamp on there, and it's actually a fake UL stamp. So you gotta be careful on stuff like that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And those are those are things that, um, you know, are often, you know, missed. If, you, if you're not, if you don't have the experience to go through that, you might not even think of uh, getting that done, right? If you're trying to launch a product on Amazon and it has a, a charging component, and then you don't even realize that there's a difference between a UL certifi certified charger and one that's not, then that could make or break your business as well. Yeah, and that actually you can even get stopped bringing that in. Mm -hmm. if, uh, if you're trying to bring something in and it's got a fake UL stamp on it, uh, custom, US Custom will stop and check that. And if they find that you don't have it on file, they'll seize those goods with, as uh, basically, and send it off to testing actually. They'll send it off to testing and then after they seize the goods and then they'll basically confiscate it and you won't ever get it. Yeah. So and that's, and that and that's if you, that you will probably have already at least put in thirty percent of your money down to even get that shipped out in the first place, and then if yeah, if customs seizes the product, then you're you're your just, host. Yeah, you're <laughs> toast. So yeah, so don't don't do that is what we're saying. And one thing I meant to mention too. So Startpad is actually uh, here in the California Bay Area, Silicon Valley, um, and they are uh, you know this incubator of these great you know ideas and products. So we're just kind of going through the process of what they do to kind of get, you know, bring something to market. So once we get past it, we got this great product. What about uh, like, what's the next step to bring it to market? I think uh, you'd mentioned something about like uh, creating the packaging and kind of getting everything together. Maybe go through that a little bit. Yeah. So usually at the point of the golden sample is done, we take all of the samples. Those are all typically working prototypes. Um, we end up using those for content creation assets. And what we'll need to do early on is making sure that um, part of the packaging, because if most of the time, if you're dealing with electronics, you'll have to do drop testing cert certification too, right? So packaging and design is usually done first. We'll get that sent off so it's approved, and then we'll work on the content creation side. Um, so basically, once once the golden samples are, are greenlit, then they're going to start production. And so during that time, 
let's say about two to three weeks to do production and another three, four weeks for shipping by boat. We'll be working on shooting a commercial, doing photography, shooting uh, images for the product, getting the website up and running. And, and if, if it's necessary, we'll, we will do, based on the strategy, maybe we'll do a pre-order campaign, things like that, um, just to help get everything set up in the first place, yeah. Yeah, so <clears throat> question for you on the uh, package creation. You guys do anything where you, let's say you design a package, do you send that out for any like A-B testing or anybody to kind of just evaluate I like, for instance, Feedback Quiz is actually a partner with PicFu, mm-hmm. and PicFu does like a A/B testing, and they can have it where people are under NDAs, and they can basically you can upload images and say, "Here's package A, here's package B." Do you guys do something similar to that? We don't do. We don't necessarily send them out for or kind of data driven for A/B testing, but we'll, what we'll actually do is. If it's a product that we are thinking long term, where we eventually want this product to go into a big box retail like Target, Best Buys, we have to consider packaging design that'll be best for retail as well. Instead of creating one with a you know cardboard box and then then having to redo it later, we just design it from scratch to make sure it's a good fit for retail later on. And when we do that, we'll actually print out the the box design on a piece of paper. And if you're creating it on, you know, InDesign or Illustrator, what you can do is you can print it out and fold it into the actual box itself. And we'll actually go to the physical store and put it on display next to, you know, similar product. Say if it's a wireless charging product, we'll put those boxes in comparison and then sit there and think for 20, 30 minutes and, and really see like, does our product stand out, right? Because if you're a consumer and you're walking by Target or, or Walmart or Best Buys and or like you're looking for a charger, what's going to appeal to you at that point? And so those are those are some things that we do, and at least for the package design, to really see if if we hit it on the head, what are other companies doing as well, taking notes and then making sure that, you know, we can hopefully attract customers in that in that sense. Yeah, and and I we were talking about earlier, but it also, these things that he's describing as far as like the commercials, the packaging, the website, the 3D rendering, I mean, some of those things you're going to do for all products. Some probably don't may not need certain things, right? Like if you know, you, it, hey, this product is perfect for Amazon and that's what the customer wants to do is just drive it through Amazon versus a website or it may not necessarily need even a commercial. So in that case, a brown box with a label on it almost works. Mm-hmm. You know, you just want to keep it as small as possible, get it into FBA and drive it through there. Exactly. So, you know, so everything we're talking about here is going to be dependent on the product you come up with, your idea. So that's why StarPad's here, if you yeah. got a great idea, right? So Yeah, we, we help with that entire evaluation process. Like how how big are you thinking? How what What's the long-term strategy? Um, and then that's that's like you mentioned it even something as small as creating that box design goes a long way is it just if you want to save costs and it's only going to be an Amazon based product then you can get away with that and that's and then you can save a lot of costs with that right like we're building an electronic product right now and we are going to be getting the really nice box that you know Apple puts their products into and those are called coffin style box but that entire open box experience you know when you have that that product in your hand and your that that feeling when you're opening it extremely slowly and it's like just coming out, that in itself is is deliberately made just for the open box experience. So you feel like you're getting something great, right? So if we're selling a high-end electronic, that's what we're gonna do because that's part of the open box experience. 
Um, that's so suction, that's, the suction as you're that, opening it. Exactly. And then yeah. all the YouTube videos, everybody opening it. Yeah, yeah. of course. That, uh, that yeah, totally makes unsealed sense. The, uh, unsealed yeah, the plastic like, wrap. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, yeah. So when we go, okay, so if I come to you at, 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 with this prototype, odds are I probably don't have an Amazon store. I probably don't have a website, maybe or maybe not. You know, I've, I have probably trademarked or, or uh, patented the item. So you're also saying that you guys handle those things. Like if I don't have the Amazon store or the website, you create that for me. Exactly. Okay. So yeah. so it's a pretty pretty extensive service that you guys offer. Yeah. It literally just if you you're, you think about it this way, if you yourself are a brand or a product, what what do you need as a company? Right. You need a website. You need marketing done. You need all of that. And that's something that we do because we've we're already working on that ourselves within our own products and then working with clients. So that's something that we just do in-house very, very quickly. Logos too, logos, yep. and what about even names? Have you, have you rebranded things before if you look at it and you come we, up with a different name? We have, we have. So we, so one, one of our clients, we ended up helping evaluate a complete rebrand. So they're actually a China company that wanted to come into the US market and the name they had, I'm, I'm not going to say, but it's definitely very Chinese, um, <laughs> like a literal, literal uh, name, right? And to us, it, it, that type of branding is not going to fly in the U.S., especially if you're trying to sell to U.S. consumers. Yeah. So we convinced them um, to go with uh, a new name, and then they were willing to pay $10,000 to purchase that domain. Oh, nice. And that's that's how important the branding aspect is. And especially for them, their long-term plan is to be as big as the other top players that are already in big box retailers, right? And so that's something that we help with. Um, that That's something we'll do like an A-B testing on in terms of um, the name, choice, and then the, the logo. Um, that's something we'll, we'll do an A-B test on within, you know, our network. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that's good. I mean, and then... I think I, I don't know if I remember if I asked this or not. So you guys have your own manufacturing. I mean, everything's in-house pretty much, right? I mean, what about even like prototyping? Um, you know, we're talking a little bit about the 3D printers and stuff. Do you guys even have that there to do? Like if it's something that's quick, can be done, rendered right on the spot to kind of just get a quick prototype or mainly you send it off to the factory and have them do a little bit better quality prototype? Yeah, so our, our office is based out, based out here in the Bay Area. Um, it, there's a smaller engineering department here, but a lot of that work in terms of like 3D printing, all that stuff is done with the engineers um, in both China and our Taiwan facilities. And so they'll take care of that. Gotcha. Yeah. So before we dive into kind of your background and how you came to StartPad, uh, let's talk a little bit about, so first of all, startpad.co. Do they just come knock at your door at uh, over there in Milpitas or should they get a hold of you uh, via your website? Yep. They can, people are welcome to just contact us through our website. Um, if they if they want to come in um, to the office, they're also more than welcome to. Um, you have a front desk person, so just, just let them know that you're there to see StartPad. Um, usually it heads up pretty good um, because, you know, we're in and out of meetings and, and things like that. So. Don't just show up with a big box and a prototype inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll probably still make time for it if you can, but. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> So um, that's pretty funny because, I mean, I guess in my head, I kind of think of it like, you know, some people might be a little weird. Like they have this prototype. It's thing that they put a lot of money into, a lot of their time. 
they don't want to just send you a picture of it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would I would personally, if if there's the potential of this being a million dollar idea, I'd probably want to set something up, set up a time, fly out, come see you and uh, present it to you and kind of, you know, so you can even brainstorm a little bit about here's the idea or here's how it works. Uh, kind of like a little shark tank in a way, you yeah. know, it, it's a... I, you need to, here's a suggestion for StarPath. You guys need to have like a weekend and have everybody show up that has ideas. Yeah. Do your own mini uh, Shark Tank there. So, so yeah, I, actually my, my business partner, he was involved with kind of like a, a pitch um, event that was, I think, happening monthly before StarPath even started. And so then, yeah, they had an, inventors just come in and, and pitch the ideas and they would have investors come in. So we're actually planning to have that later down the road again. Um, just once things are a little bit more established, once we continue to build out the infrastructure that we want, um, and then bring in other interested investors, then we'll start to host events where we can have, have pitches and, yeah. and, and things like that. Heck, do a video pitch. You can do like a Zoom or a YouTube, you know, YouTube or Facebook Live or something. Yeah. That way people who can't necessarily fly out to be at an event could pitch you guys through you know, video. So there's my idea. That's my suggestion. Yeah. But Okay, so let's start with... Uh, a little bit of how how'd you get started? Where where did you come from? How what brought you to StartPad? Yeah, um, in terms of where I came from, I'm a Bay Area native okay. uh, for for one. So I've, I've just grown up here all my life. Um, I originally just kind of grew up in you know normal high school. I got my degree at UC Davis, and I just went the traditional route as what most parents will tell you, and is just go get a corporate job. And Wait, what was the degree in business or? Uh, unfortunately, Davis did not have a business degree. Agricultural degree? Yeah, yeah well, no. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's funny. I kind of wish I took their uh, tractor driving class that they actually have as an elective. <laughs> they PE. do. Um, crazy. But, Anybody uh, who's not familiar with UC Davis, go look it up. You'll, you'll understand why we're laughing. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a farm, farming. It's kind of like a farming school, agricultural school. Um, they do. They do have a pretty good like wine program because they're super close to Napa. Absolutely. Um, if you ever go to Napa, yeah, they'll probably, they're probably hiring um, Davis interns and stuff to, to work. So out what was the program. first job out of UC Davis then? Uh, not a winery, um, <laughs> but I, I ended up working at ADP, which is uh, the largest payroll company yep. in the world. And I just started off my career as a, as a sales rep. Actually, yeah, to answer your question earlier about what my degree was, um, because there was no business major, I ended up studying international relations ah. with a focus on economics. So I try to get as close as possible to business related. Being an yeah. international businessman, which was like the the long time dream, is like, oh, as a five year old kid, what do you want to be? A firefighter, a policeman? It's like international businessman. <laughs> I just assume I'm going to be flying business class when I'm older and just going back and forth to meetings, and then telecommuting happened, and then that doesn't really work out. Exactly. So, um, so that's what I studied, and then I ended up just getting a sales job um, because it felt like knowing how to sell is a important aspect of, of business. Yeah. And so I, I was there for about two and a half years, just worked my way through, got it promoted a few times, um, had a really good book of business. Actually, my territory is right here in San Jose, um, and so I always just think about my old clients anytime I'm driving, driving in this area. Um, I ended up getting attracted to going into a tech startup afterwards, being in Silicon Valley, right? Around 2014, 2015, that's where you're going to see all of the 
all these random tech companies getting funding and yep. they're talking about, oh, we have a Series B, $10 million, $15 million, come join us, perks as if you're working at Google and LinkedIn or, or wherever. Um, so I basically took the bait and ended up at a startup company. And I was doing sales there and that was a pretty, pretty decent job. And simultaneously, uh, while I was working there, I was trying to help build out um, a side business as well as a sales boot camp. And it's similar to those software boot camps um, that I'm sure a lot of people's friends you know, try to go to to you know, pivot careers. We were doing that for sales reps. Um, so we were connecting that bridge between um, you know, college graduates who needed that entry level experience, um, understanding how to use salesforce.com, um, before even going into sales role. So that's primarily what we help train on and help them with the interview process. That was my first exposure into more of the entrepreneurship route and trying to figure out how to build a business completely from scratch, um, how to generate leads and customers, which were students, and how to get them on board. Um, and one of my favorite things that we did was actually, where do we find uh, students to come into that class? Was actually post a job description on like indeed.com for a sales position but then once they, they read through that they realize oh this is actually a class boot a boot camp yeah. that they can attend especially because these guys are already looking for sales jobs yeah. um, so around March March 2016 I ended up getting into a pretty bad car accident and so that that basically just like forced me to take a long long break for for recovery I was pretty much um, incapacitated for about three months, just kind of bedridden. And so I I finally slowly recovered and then I ended up landing uh, a job at Google on their sales team. And that's where I just got exposed to a lot of the e-commerce world, the online marketing, digital marketing, because what I was selling um, and consulting on were digital marketing strategies and helping companies utilize you know, Google AdWords, uh, display ads, uh, YouTube commercials, and that's where I started to talk, talking to all of these different business owners who are all just managing their online business from wherever, right? I'm, I'm talking to people from who, you know, these, these digital marketers who are just based out of, you know, the Philippines or Vietnam or Thailand um, here in the States. And I, w I was just exposed to them saying like, yeah, I'm a one-man shop doing a million dollars or I'm a five-man team doing $20 million a year. And it's just like, wait a minute. Yeah, I enjoy getting sales commissions, but that's nowhere close to, to what I'm making, right? Yeah. So I started to jump into the, dive deep into the rabbit hole and, and discovered Amazon FBA. And I basically decided to um, make that leap of faith of just quitting my job at Google and wanting to start my own business and also travel around the world. Given that, um, based on that accident, it really put things into perspective as well. Uh, where I wanted to make sure I crossed off a lot of things on my bucket list. So I ended up going on my solo uh, backpacking trip around Europe and got to knock off a bunch of things like see the Northern Lights, um, go, go travel all around Spain. Um, so I was able to knock that out. And then during that time, I was learning how to run Amazon, launching products, and that's really where I got my start in the e-commerce world. So then you fast forward that, I end up connecting with my business partner today and we started just kind of working on side projects together. And then what happened was with, he was already working with someone else and with, with a different partner, they ended up parting ways. And during that time we were working with 
the manufacturer here in the Bay Area where we were already overlapping on projects where we're helping out with their clients that they were manufacturing for. And so we ended up just discussing where all of our strengths were, the, pulling the resources to, together, and that's really where StarPad was formed. We basically brought in the manufacturing, the prototyping capabilities to get a product made from scratch, and then our abilities to do marketing, um, launching products, and then that basically just become in its, its own entire infrastructure as an incubator slash accelerator to help products and brands grow. Nice. So how many time, how many products have you gone through this cycle with? And uh, yeah, just how many times have you gone through this type of cycle? And, and what, what do people expect if they come in? Like what time will it take? Mm-hmm. Normal, you know, normally I'm sure they all differ. Like we're, I mean, depending on the product, I'm sure it's going to differ. But how many of these have you done? And what kind of time frame would I expect if I bring you a, a pretty rough prototype? In terms of... Products from scratch, I think we've launched about five so far. Because StartPad itself has only been in existence for about over, just a little over a year right now. Um, In terms of clients, companies that already exist and they're, say for instance, they're already in the marketplace, but they do need help in terms of penetrating the U.S. market, rebranding, redesign, redesign, all of that. Those can be done fairly quickly. Those will those could happen within one month, two months, three months. And for example, we did help the one company um, who already had their products in the marketplace. That's the one that needed rebranding. They're already on Amazon doing about thirty thousand dollars a month. And so when we took over, it took us about four months later um, to get them to about just shy of two hundred k per month. Nice. So it was averaging about 180000 or so, give or take. Um, the reason it took so long was because when we took over, we realized that even their UPC were completely wrong as well. So oh, we wow. basically had to help them just start from scratch. And that's something we found with a few other clients that we've brought on that they were buying you know, UPC codes from yeah. you know, eBay or wherever. And it's like, no, 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 if you're a legit company, you should be creating your own through, um, what is it, the, the UPC, the uh, G, GS1, GS1, GS1 yeah. yes. Yeah. So that in itself is a common occurrence. Um, in terms of clients that we've helped launch, we've, I don't know, probably over a dozen yeah. already so far. Nice. Um, so so uh, I, I, normally, if I come with a rough prototype, when do I expect to be on market? Like within a couple months, two, three months? That will depend on the product. Yeah. We have one client where we have been talking to um, for a long time. We started working with them about nine months in anticipation to get them launched within four months. But in terms of prototyping, uh, making sure that they their prototype works the way it's supposed to, that in itself has gone through many iterations and a lot of different testings. So that in itself has taken a lot longer than we anticipated and I think it's been about nine months total right so things like that will take a long time and and that's because we want to make sure that product is perfect before you even roll it out Um, and so ideally yeah we try to aim for about three months to to get things going but you want to make sure you have a perfect product before you you get out to market yeah well that's that's some great info so Eric 
is co-founder head or co-founder and head of growth of startpad.co and he also has his own podcast so i'll let eric go ahead and uh, plug your own podcast here yeah and people be sure to check it out yeah definitely check it out i'm i'll be interviewing uh, the co-founder of feedback Wiz, uh henson uh later on so i'm, I'm excited to do that um, it's called whyfactorpodcast.com. That's just the letter Y. Um, you can find find it on Spotify or iTunes. Just type in the letter Y. Y Factor, Eric Chen, and you should be able to pull it up. And I'm sure you're on Facebook and LinkedIn and all those other ways to get a hold of you besides startpad.co. Exactly. Um, you're always welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, very easy to find if you type in Eric Chen Startpad. You'll be able to connect with me. I'm always happy to connect with fellow entrepreneurs um, and kind of touching upon the, the podcast, it's really about working with the entrepreneurs who are, who are just getting started and those that have been pretty successful over over time and, and understanding the whys behind what they do, like yeah. what's kept them motivated, why did they even start the business in the first place, in order to inspire other entrepreneurs, even just for myself. Like when I first started the journey, there's an entire why that you guys can can learn um, and listen to on, on my podcast. I, I talk about that entire process and journey. That's awesome. Well, Eric, thanks for being on the EcomWiz podcast. And uh, we'll maybe try to get you in uh, later when you get another product going and maybe we'll talk a little bit more about it. Yeah, happy to do so. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for joining us this week on the EcomWiz podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor, FeedbackWiz.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. Join us next week for more great tips to help Amazon sellers dominate the marketplace. 